Welcome back. Welcome in. Let us begin another week here at earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. Chris Anderson, have you heard the news? I have not heard the news. Neil Brown once spent some time at Clemson studying under the wing of Dabo Swinney and thus is a leading candidate at South Carolina. Let's not get this started. Let's not on go down this. Let's go down. Uh, I mean, then it must be true. On the internet. Um, is that a sign, as sh- sure as anything else, that the program is on the uptick? Never mind five and three. Never mind some emphatic home wins. Never mind a common thread that positively runs through every game. The fact that he is on the short list. That's a sign that things are going in the right direction, right? I think I'd be more inclined to uh, think he was on the short list if that short list was something other than a message board short list. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it might mean a little more. But yeah, I mean, when they obviously, anytime your team's doing well, if you if your coach uh, and this goes for assist, assistance too, if your your coach or anybody on your staff is being linked to another job, then that means things are going well in your program. So it's. Good and bad to be in those conversations, however also, real they might be. He also made the Michigan shortlist at about 1240 on Saturday afternoon, too, because that's going sideways in a hurry, too. So this is going to be a lot of fun here, too, which inevitably leads to contract extension talk. Um, that's a very mature conversation because I don't know where we're going to go on that one. I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to talk about that. Uh, actually, here, let me do some advertising, too. Text from Game Day is up right now. There are two really good texts in there um, or sequences of texts. One is at the end saying that it's as a fan, this is a bad time for a bye week, not because the team is playing good, but because the media doesn't have a game to write about, and they're going to start doing stuff like, is Neil Brown the coach of the year? Is it time to give him an extension? <laughs> and I don't think we have enough evidence for either one of those right now. There's another one, too. You may know this or not, Chris. One of my favorite pastimes is watching a coach just lose control and sail the ship right into the iceberg. Not yeah. happening here. It's happening, for example, at Michigan. It was happening in South Carolina. I love watching it. Um, and one of the texts says, is Harbaugh pulling a Hoke or a Rodriguez? <laughs> Which, those are two well-documented examples of a coach losing a team, giving up on him, and the coach is not even going for it anymore. Um, and they're all in Michigan. What's happened to Michigan football? I have no idea. I, I thought Harbaugh was eccentric and abrasive. It always has been. It's not like a secret to anybody. Um, but I thought it would work because – he could recruit, and I and I, you, you know me. I, I think that's more than half the battle when it comes to college football. And he, I thought he could recruit as it was, and then you get the Michigan name. Thought he could recruit even better, and they did recruit well. They just can't coach at all or develop. Apparently, I, I, it, it's bizarre because they've they've had some talent come through there. Guys that are extremely good in high school and and, and come in there. And some of them haven't panned out. And some of them have gone on and, and been really good in the NFL, too, but yeah. just didn't do as much at Michigan. It's very strange. Extension talk, coach of the year talk. I don't know. That's, that's just weird stuff here. Coach of the year in the, in the Big 12, I guess, is what we're talking about. I don't know. That's that's a little bit later in the season, I think. Still, I would say the stuff that might define that category for him is yet to come. But he's on the he's on the short list for sure. Um, here's one that I want to get to. We can we could probably talk about this during the week. We might have a robust thread on our board. How about that? Mm-hmm. Most improved team in the country. There are already some things out there saying yes, this is it. It's not even close. I, I can think of a half a dozen ten teams off the top of my head that are 
in the cat in the category, right? And are probably better cases. Some of them are undefeated right now, playing for conference championships. But right. I wonder where you would rank or where our listeners or our subscribers would rank West Virginia among the most improved teams. Because forty eight hours ago you wouldn't say it. Does a win at home against TCU do it? Apparently yes. Maybe the style of the win does it too. Um it kind of reaffirms some some optimism that people have, but I don't know, is it is it I forget what the phrasing was. Not even close. This is the most improved team in the country. Is it one of the most improved teams in the country, or is this kind of just a weird conversation that fans have about their team in particular? It's not even close to not even being close. Is that is that an acceptable answer? Ooh, that's a lot of words. Explain. <laughs> I mean, it's the team is is very good. It is improved. You you've detailed it. Neil Brown has said it. You went into more detail on it. Um, I think you could make the argument that they're the most improved team in the Big Twelve. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at the teams that are uh, above them. Um, at least in the standings. I mean, they beat Kansas State. Oklahoma's not more improved. Texas is not more improved. Oklahoma State was expected to be this good and is and is is there. Iowa State is maybe having a slightly disappointing season. So, and behind them, no, 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 no. So, yeah, they're the most improved team in the Big 12. But as you noted, there are uh, several teams that are, you know, went from the dregs of their own conference to currently sitting undefeated and maybe even in the top 25. So, no, I I don't think they're the most improved team in the country. But... They're looking good in the Big 12, and it's, yeah. and it's it's obviously very positive. I, I think you look back at some of those games, and you can see the progress of, oh, this team has some fight, but uh, there it's over before, you know, in halfway through the third quarter. And this year, that hasn't happened. There isn't, hasn't been one single game where they've been definitively not competitive, and you definitely couldn't say that last year. So yes. they are improved. Five games last year, they trailed by 17 or more. That's almost half your season when you consider you played probably one chump team. That's close to half your season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, five times, it led, led by 17 or more. Never got close. Or excuse me, trailed by 17 or more. and Never got close again, really. They faded in every one of them. Trailed by 17 once this year. First row game, really good Oklahoma State team. And 90 seconds later, they had a touchdown. And they end up in that game in the fourth quarter. And since then, I mean, they've, they've hammered teams at home. And again, they, they have an identity. I don't know if it's what they want to be long term, but they've at least found their their road to where they want to be too. Um, I'm going to get under my desk and ask this question. Okay. Okay. Is this the most improved team in the state? Oh my god! Did you hear that? I, I did hear that, and I don't know how to respond to that. I don't even know if I want to respond to that. Um, because I, I had I don't want to say it was a hot take or anything by any means on Mon Marshall the other day, but they played I don't even think they're gonna play anybody that will be even yeah. remotely close to the yeah. top twenty five. I, I don't I don't know how you gauge any of the non power five teams this year. It's difficult. It's tough. It it's and and to be blunt, it's kind of unfair for Marshall because in other schools that are having these big years that aren't in Power Five programs because maybe or are not playing Power Five teams because maybe they are that good, but we don't know. You really can't tell. I mean, these teams. I mean, UMass, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee. I mean, this is not an actual like real live competitive schedule. 
but I think Marshall's good. I do. I do think they're good. I know some of those players on there, uh, and they have a decent team, but I don't know how good. And I don't think anybody anybody that tries to tell you otherwise is 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 lying. Case in point, BYU, easily one of the most improved teams in the country. And it's playing a garbage schedule that they really just had to scrape together and play. But you can look at that team and say, oh, my gosh. I mean, it doesn't matter who they're playing. That's a really good football team. But, again, it's not playing a, a Power 5 schedule. It's had to be you know, kind of improvisational at times and how they put together the schedule. But again, is it isn't one of the best teams in the country? You're gonna say that relative to their schedule. But it's such a it's a fun and a difficult conversation because it's almost entirely empirical. There's not really a stat that measures it. We can go into win improvements and things like that. Um and again West Virginia will probably be in a good spot there if they take care of business in the last couple of games. But you're gonna find ones that are better, but are they better because of their schedule? Probably so. But hey, it's a fun schedule. Maybe what we'll do is we'll open up a thread in the board and make your case why they are or aren't or I don't know, nominate a team that is or should be considered and um, please don't hold my under the desk against me. Let's get to the reason that we're here today. Monday morning, it's our Q&A mailbag. Subscribers sending questions. Everybody votes on which ones they think are most popular. We answer them here. And then whenever we don't get to in the allotted time, Chris answers in a separate piece later in the day. Uh, good stuff here today. Not nearly as um, panicky or as chaotic as just a week ago, but still good, pointed, curious questions here. Yeah, and I... I... I can't remember how many we counted, maybe 10. And usually, you know, hey, it, when there's when it's when it's a loss, there are a lot more questions. And, and I guess that makes sense. People are curious about things. People want to vent about things. Uh, when it's a nice, easy, tidy three hour win, oh. just not as many questions go around. I, yeah. By the way, hey, here's the first question from the mailbag. Mike, what'd you do with your afternoon? What'd you do with your evening? I watched a lot of college football. I had friends over um, who came were in town for the game. There was a lot of uh, game and wildlife being cooked in my house. I didn't have to do any of it because uh, I guess they felt bad for me for having to work during a beautiful day. But had a fine little dinner and an evening with friends, uh, safe, of course, um, outside as much as we could. But things that I don't usually get to experience on a Saturday. It was refreshing. I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to another one this weekend, too. Yeah, it was bizarre. I came back downstairs um, from my office and... My wife just stared at me like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, usually when there's a noon game, it's, it's, you know, maybe you see me by dinner time, mm-hmm. but I was down there, what, full hour and a half before dinner and hanging out for the rest of the evening. So it was, it was quite pleasant. Um, yeah, agreed. For the real first question from the mailbag, I think we basically already answered this uh, in our discussion pre, pre questions, but from SJJSWVU4. With securing a 500 record in league play and assuming we don't lose by four plus scores in both remaining games, is the quote unquote climb officially still on? That's that's where we're at right now. We're at the point where we ask that question, and I, yep. I would say it's on no matter what happens. But are they moving up? Is the answer that's in the in the air right now? The two teams that really did a number on them last year were Iowa State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma because that is Oklahoma. They were just far and away better across the field, um, and yet. That was a 28 to 14 game at the half. And then Oklahoma said, let's call the good plays and just steamroll West Virginia in the second half. Ends up 52 to 14. But it was close for a half in West Virginia that way, but just couldn't run the whole marathon. Iowa State, the game got away from West Virginia right away because Austin Kendall got hurt. They scored a defensive touchdown, they had a lead. Then it was 14 7, then it was 14 14. And then Iowa State scored the final 24 points. 
Um, and, and then teams, I don't know if they felt bad for West Virginia, if they just weren't scared of West Virginia, but even the games that they lost by a large margin, going back to Missouri, the teams just didn't pound them and probably could have and just played really slow. But both those teams, and those are back-to-back games last year, inverse order of this season, but both those teams last year had their way with West Virginia because they could. I don't know if that can happen this year. Like It shouldn't happen if you're trying to be better, but I don't know if either one of those teams can just go up and down the field or just play a superior brand of football because it wants to and not worry about West Virginia being able to object. I think that West Virginia is better, much better in that sense, but we'll see. So I think we're at the point right now where one and one, two and oh, if they go oh and two, I'm not sure you're making any progress. If they go oh and two and they take one or two bad losses, you're definitely not making progress there. If they go oh and two and they're competitive and they play, you know, similar games here, it's a it's probably not a bad sign. It, it what it means is that you're unfortunately you're five and five. And what did you do different than last year? So I don't think you have an answer right now, but you're at the position where you're at the counter and you're waiting for your order. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this since we preemptively hit it and you you covered in your story, but Seven losses last year. Three of them, I would say, were not even really that competitive. Uh, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. Two of them, they kind of stuck around for a half or so and then just got completely blown out. Iowa State, Texas, you know, kind of pulled away with with turnovers and stuff. And then two of them were close losses. And this year, I'd argue that it's basically just three close losses that, that, that they were very competitive in. So it's definitely an improvement. Um, let's see what do you guys think this is from D Sprad what do you guys think this offensive line will look like next year and side note with a, a little side note from me side question did you know that I've changed my answer in the past seven days you have I have yes because we so did this, we did this last week right yeah that and that's why I wanted to touch on it again because my answers changed Slightly, but it's changed a little bit. Is is yours the same as last time? I just it depends on if, if for example, Chase Barron comes back or Mike Brown comes right. back. And again, let's I'm assume not... they're out because that right. yeah, I start I, I started with that as well. But yeah, let's let's assume they're out for now. So you probably do have your left tackle, and Yates is becoming a pretty good pass blocker, which is good. His run blocking it might just be the length of the season for him and, and the fact that they run the ball an awful lot and he's had to exert himself, but that could probably get better. And I'm certain it will. Gamitter would be your left guard, presumably. Mm-hmm. Frazier would be your center. And I feel like they have answers at guard with specifically Jordan Wright. Right tackle is curious, but it sounds like John Hughes only lost his spot because he got hurt. He's healthy enough to play special teams. I'm assuming he's not healthy enough to practice a whole lot on offense and get first hand or first team reps. So, you have now three people at tackle because Parker Moore is a guy they really liked and they wanted to get him on the field up to and including putting him at guard previously. Now he's back at right tackle where he's probably better suited. I just don't know who your right tackle is or who your right guard is. I don't think you could pencil in Wyatt Millam, even though Zach Frazier's been really good. It just, it's just hard to assume that you're going to hit on true freshmen to play offensive line in back-to-back years where it just doesn't happen that often in the country. Um, so I think you have three-fifths of it. I couldn't tell you who your right guard and your right tackle are right now. But that's spring, and again, there are candidates for it on the roster. I think that's a good sign. Because Hubbard doesn't have a spot right now. He's seasoned. He could play right guard for you. And you have, like what we mentioned, two, three guys that you think could play right tackle. Yeah, in in complete agreement. I think, you know, left, center center to left is, uh, I don't want to say set. I hate saying set, but sounds pretty good with Yates 
Gemitter, Frazier from left tackle into center. Right guard, right tackle. I think last week I can't I I don't even know if I gave an answer for right guard and then just said, hey, you know, maybe just keep John Hughes out there. I think maybe Parker Moore is the answer. And w- would you rather see Bryson Mays and John Hughes maybe slide back into right guard or one of them slide to right guard and then one of them's the backup at right guard slash right tackle and or, or Jaquay Hubbard's going to be in the mix, I assume. I mean, obviously, he's he's had a lot to deal with uh, with his family back home, a uh, family member getting sick, him having to leave the team a couple times, getting a late start because of the transfer waiver. So who knows what he's capable of or if, if the coaches are like, yeah, once he's gets a few practices under his belt, he might be a clear starter. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of like the idea of Hughes or Mays as my right guard and more as my right tackle, and whichever one of Mays and Hughes loses out on that job is my kind of right side backup, either guard or tackle. And again, it was limited snaps, but seeing what Moore did out there the other day kind of backed up what we've been hearing, what the coaches have been saying, and really gives you a positive outlook for the offensive line more so than maybe you had a week ago and certainly a few weeks ago. It was a wild card in all this, too. Mm. hasn't played this year and maybe wasn't in the perfect shape when he came in, but Tariq Stewart, yeah, he could, he could answer one of those, if, if not in starting, then in depth, that guard or tackle. He's just a big guy that I think that they have high hopes for and didn't work out for him this year. But, man, give him a full spring, summer, fall, that could be a valuable piece for them. Um, kind of along the same note, because West Virginia was hitting the transfer market hard on the offensive line. Summit WVU wants to know, uh, where is West Virginia going to target positions? He says he he brings up uh, maybe a junior college wide receiver, running back. Um, where would you target? So say either either JUCO or a traditional transfer or grad transfer. I want to try either line just because I think you can always have mature bodies on either line. And if you find a guy who has 24 starts at right guard or right tackle, are you going to say no to him? No, get him. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna need people on the defensive line. That defensive line, man. Don't look, <laughs> don't look. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit scary next year. Like you're talking about starting, like who would be your starting defensive line next year? Because uh, you're gonna lose probably <laughs> both, yeah, probably both Stills, right? We can assume, but maybe just one. But so Stills, Mesador, Jordan Jefferson, Quay Mays. I don't know. And if you don't have Stills, are you starting Jalen Thornton, Akeem Mesador, Quay Mays? Where's Jordan Jefferson? He's in the middle there. So like, there's just not a lot of bodies there. So again, I'm loading up on both lines. Um, and then again, safety, we don't know. Like, what's what's Alonzo Wadai and what's Sean Mahone going to do? If they come back, you've got a really good secondary next year. If they go, who's who's your safeties? We don't know. We haven't really seen anybody. So I would think about your back end, too, because you might need them. And again, it doesn't hurt to have them. So those would be my obvious ones, too. I hadn't thought about running back until I read that. But yeah. I think it's a great idea. Just because, yeah. like, you're you got to get it because you're asking a lot out of it. Looks the, the freshmen they have coming in look like they're going to be pretty good players. I don't know how you assume that one of them can handle backup snaps. I don't think that they're on the same level as Tony Mathis or Various Bear. I think they're on a higher level than those two. I think that's probably fair to say. But man, if you're asking them to come in and be, you know, RB2 or RB2B because maybe Sinkfield's 2A, that's that's tough. And especially because are either one of them going to move the needle so much you take Letty Brown off the field? That's an interesting one, but I like the idea to get some um, running backs in there. Receiver, I don't know that I mess with, unless you find a guy who's just a no doubt about it that that, that makes sense. But 
so many people who are coming back that just got to grow and you hope they can do it during the offseason. I'm not sure I would put anybody in front of them and stunt that progress. I think I said the same exact thing for receiver in, in the written mailbag. One I brought up, and I think you named eight positions there, Mike, and not <laughs> one of them was the first one I mentioned. Um, what about a Mike linebacker? Yeah, that's a great point. Because no, they're I mean, not going to have that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Tony Fields is gone. Yeah, you can play. You can play. Uh, you know, musical chairs with Chandler Samato. We've seen him play. Mike, you got Bartlett, who could potentially move inside. Um, but I think you could have said the same before this year, and we saw how we've seen. We're seeing how big of an impact Tony Fields is making when they added him to that middle of that defense. So. I think finding some, and, and I'm I'm looking up and down the roster. I'm looking at the guys coming in. I'm not seeing a, a Mike, a true Mike linebacker type that's going to be ready to contribute right away next year. And I think maybe that's one that you know a position they need to look at again. I, I hate to do the the little bit of a hamster wheel here, where you just keep getting transfers and junior college players for the same position over and over again. But might need one there at, at Mike linebacker while you try to develop some depth there. One more for you. Yeah. Backup quarterback? I wouldn't mm. just because okay. I wouldn't just because I think they, they, you know, we've been hearing some kind of whatever with Garrett Green in practice that they feel comfortable doing some things with him. So I think with an extra year that maybe he's he, he's fine and they're going to stick with it and as him as the backup behind Daggy. So I would not. Right they're now. only going to have three arms next year. One's yeah. going to be Crowder, one's going to be Green, and one's going to be Daggy. I don't think anybody expects um, Austin Kendall to come back. So I wonder if they would add somebody who's a fifth-year guy. The trouble is you're going to have a hard time selling someone to come in who's good and said you're not going to start. You're probably not going to be our backup. We'll let you work for that, but you're going to throw passes in practice and, hey, come spend your last year, your last two years here in Big 12 and get a head start on coaching or something like that. I don't know. That's I just wonder. like They're going to need an arm for sure, but – how do you sell that? It's going to be a tough one. Moving on to, say, the rest of the ba- uh, football year. We'll get to basketball in a second. It, it's almost basketball season. But from Lighten, just for fun, what has to happen for WVU to make the Big 12 title game? I got lost inside my head on this because I tried to do it, and I'm pretty good with it when it comes to basketball. Football, it, it was it was harder. I don't know why, because it's the same formula, basically. But I had a hard time getting through this, and I didn't spend enough time on it but it can happen it involves them winning out they can't lose and they don't need a ton of help but they need like a very precise sequence of events that probably is a long shot correct yeah i think you, you definitely going to be rooting against oklahoma state as you know west virginia has to win out period in a story like that that's a definite has to happen um the problem is if you get into a situation where because one of the first tiebreaker obviously the first tiebreaker is uh, head-to-head and after that if there's more than two teams it's a round robin between the number of teams in there and i've gone through and done each week where uh not unrealistic uh outcomes uh but definitely favorable towards wvu uh like for instance iowa state beating texas that's one that i picked uh you would probably need tcu to beat oklahoma state which might be difficult but not completely out of the realm of possibility uh, and again, you only need to finish in the top two. This isn't a situation where you have to be number one. So you could be just like, Hey, okay. Oklahoma state, number one, you good, go ahead. But 
then you're going to need Texas to lose a couple games. You can't have them winning out because you, you lost those two tiebreakers against Texas, or the two head up, heads up games against Texas and Oklahoma State. And while winning out would definitely put West Virginia in a great position in that little round robin scenario, Oklahoma State does well in that scenario as well. So does Texas. And when you do that, and you say, you know, hey, say West Virginia goes four and one in a big group of five teams tied or, or three and one in a group of five teams tied for at six and three or something, then it gets whittled down to two because Oklahoma State in that scenario is likely going to be three and one as well. Mm-hmm. You whittle it down to those two and then Oklahoma State gets the edge in West Virginia and it gets left out anyway. So it's not impossible. It is difficult. And I can say that the. the for this weekend, looking at it one weekend at a time, you are rooting for Kansas State to beat Iowa State and Oklahoma to beat Oklahoma State. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that of the teams that are above West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas control their own destiny. I don't think Kansas State does. Um, I'm trying to think here. No, they play Iowa State, so that would help. So every You'll have to check this, Chris, but I think every team ahead of West Virginia, if they went out, they're in. So... <laughs> That's, that's how long, which means that obviously some of that can't happen because Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play. Uh, Iowa State and Kansas State play. So that's going to be difficult. Uh, Iowa State and Texas play. But that's how many teams in front of them are in a better position just to win out and take care of it. West Virginia has, I, I guess, the, the negative of having played an extra game. Yeah. But that also underscores how important playing games are. And they have two left. And everybody else has three. So it's not impossible, but it's a long shot. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yes, yes, it is. Um, moving on. You ready to move on to basketball questions? Let's do it. I'm starting to write okay. these now, too. Um, let's see. Let's just jump right into it. You're starting five for basketball this year. First two off the bench from Wilmington Ears 11. Yeah, I'm going McCabe, McBride, Matthews, Culver, Shebway. I love what I'm hearing about Sherman and McNeil, too. So I, I just wonder, can you bring both them off the bench first? One of them is coming off the bench because McCabe will probably come out and McBride will slide to the one. So then you're thinking, all right, 
that means that either Osaboyan or Bridges or Cottrell comes in. If it's Osaboyan or Cottrell, you're bringing one of your best players off the floor early. And do you want a guy like Bridges on the floor or Cottrell on the floor who's maybe a little bit more offensive and can do some things that you know help spread things out? So um, give me Sherman first. I'm going to put McNeil and parentheses. It could be one or the other. And I just feel like Osaboyan is going to be your next guy off the bench. All right, so we do have something different here. This is good. We, we're we're not in agreement. Um, okay, I love this. I'm I'm going. If it were me, and I'm not saying, and I I said this in my answer in the written form. This is my answer, but I'm fairly certain it's not going to be Bob Huggins's move. Uh, so this is me. I'd go McBride, McNeil, Sherman, Oscar, and Culver with my starting five. One, I don't love the idea of McBride off ball. Two, I don't love the idea of McCabe and McBride on the court at the same time. I think that gives a little bit of a, a size disadvantage. Uh, McBride, McNeil, Sherman. W- when you have McNeil and Sherman on the field court at the same time there at the beginning, I think that plays into your theory of mm. get some shooters out there, see who's hot, and then you, you know, it, they start the game and say McNeil's hitting shots and Sherman's off and not playing defense or whatever or vice versa. Okay, now now we know that McNeil's going to get more of the minutes, going to get 25, and Sherman's going to get 15 instead, or something of that nature. So you go with those five, and then the first two off the bench for me would be Matthews and Gabe Osaboyan, because I think the two of those together, combined with the five you have, gives you a bunch of flexibility. You can go big, you can go small, you can slide, put Gabe in there, and all of a sudden you got McBride, McNeil, uh, Gabe, Oscar Culver or even Matthews and you're going super big or you can go small to, you know, give Oscar a rest and you got McBride, McNeil, Sherman and Gabe uh, and, and then Culver at the five. So that would be my starting five with the first two off the bench for some, you got shooting, you got rebounding, you got roster flexibility. You don't got McCabe. I don't. I, that was difficult because I think he's a better pure point guard or a, di- a better distributing point guard than McBride. And I think they need that sometimes because one of the big problems, one of the problems with McBride last year was that he would just stand out there and pound the ball and pound it and pound it and pound it and wouldn't get the offense going. And I think McCabe can do that. I think he'll start swinging the ball. He'll, he'll, he's a better passer. And, but if you're limiting me to seven and I get two off, I think I'd, I'd, I'd try to ride with Sherman as a point guard to keep the flexibility. I was torn on McCabe or Matthews for that seventh spot just because of that point guard position, but yeah, McCabe would definitely Matthews be my name, yeah. but would definitely be my eighth. Yeah. So I, I have a hard time believing that Huggins is going to break the mold, which is like, he likes to start the same five and he likes to go with a, a, a yeah. guy who's a point guard on the ball. So that, that's going to be strange to me. And I, I just, I can't see him taking Matthews or McCabe out of the lineup right now. And certainly Culver and Sheway are going to be there, but, I'm fascinated by the third spot, like the third spot on the floor. We know that the backcourt is going to be guard-guard, obviously, and the frontcourt is going to be big-big. I think they had the capacity to play a lot of three-guard this year, and just because I don't know what you can get from Bridges yet, maybe eventually he's going to be a valuable player. Maybe he is right away. I think realistically you can't expect him to come in and play. Hell, Matthews doesn't even play 20 minutes, so 
I don't know, 16 minutes a game and be productive at this level, especially early in the season. I don't know if you can. I feel much better having Sherman or McNeil playing that third spot and getting the extra minutes just because they're not new to this, as new as Bridges is. And they, they could potentially give you something offensively. And whatever you lack in height, man, those two guys from the basket make up for it, too. I just, I, I'm fascinated by that this year because you haven't seen a ton of three-guard stuff from Huggins. And when it's been there, it's been something to talk about, especially those two bigs. But I also think that he likes Matthews so much and, and – I don't want to use the word traditional, like traditional constructs, but you know, one, two, three, four, five, there's an easy way to do it and to have backups at those spots too. But that, that probably isn't your best offense or defense at this point. Got another basketball question for you here from, uh, it's a two-parter from B hugs WVU. Oh, Mike, are the guys making shots and do they like each other this year? Uh, (laughs) That's what I've heard. <laughs> guys are making shots, and they got great guys. So I would feel I would feel worse if we didn't hear that. Like I would be alarmed. Yes. I'd be pressing the panic button. If are guys making shots, eh, a little bit. But do you have good guys? I don't know. We'll see. They're not really around a lot, so I can't tell. That would make me freak out. Yes, I, I I'm joking around, but seriously, if if he wasn't saying <laughs> those things, if he weren't saying those things, then you know that. They don't like each other, and they don't like their shots, or they can't hit their shots, which would obviously be very bad. Um, but another question, kind of what we were talking about there uh, from Preston Co., Preston County, I assume, um, has a plan for point guard come together? Will it be the same as last year with McCabe starting, but Deuce getting majority of minutes, or will Kedrian Johnson be a factor here? Is there a desire to play Deuce at the two or have McNeil and Taz lock that position down? I don't think Johnson's a point guard. I think he's going to be like a, a straight up wing for them when he gets on the floor. Um, and again, college point guard and junior college point guard are, are just different. Um, that said, I do think you're going to see just for the purpose of comparison, you're going to see West Virginia play junior college point guard where your best offensive player has the ball the most. And I think that they think that McBride could be their best offensive player. So, Hey, give him the ball and let stuff happen. Maybe he can attract and dish maybe he can drive and score maybe he can just do point guard stuff because he's good at it or he gets better at it um your critique is right he got stuck with the ball a lot last year but i feel like coaching a guy to not get stuck with the ball is reasonable for a scholar like bob Huggins, his capacity so that's an easy habit to break um he said something that was interesting on his zoom that i i, I caught and i was in the car so i couldn't really tell but he said we might even play deuce and jordan together did you catch that i did that uh, yep and I and I said earlier uh, a couple minutes ago I don't like that I, I don't like that defensively but yeah he did say that so which makes me think that like again I just I just feel like McCabe is going to start but I wonder how long he gets to play with with and then how long it's also possible he could be off the ball too it just sounds like he's shooting the eyes out of the ball so that's possible but those are your two point guards in the roster they're going to have to spread the minutes out as best they can there I don't think Johnson can do it or Sherman can do it just because. Sherman didn't do it last year, and I just don't think they want to have Johnson play the point this year. Does that mean those guys can't handle the ball and break a press or triple threat and drive? No, they can do that. But um, I think as far as getting the ball off the court and entering the ball in motion, it's going to have to be McBride and McCabe. I just wonder how much they're together. I think they'll start together. I don't know how long they'll stay on the floor together. Yeah. I I don't uh, – on the Kedrian Johnson thing, switching back to that, I don't I, – I agree with you. I don't know – I don't think he's of him as a true point guard – and I'm interested to see how big of an impact he has this season because he has a very specific skill set in that he gets to the rim, he finishes, he hits free throws. And 
a lot of that, th- that that's in short supply on this team. This isn't a team that's known for, you know, getting past their man and getting to the rim with ease, uh, especially from the perimeter. So I think there is a, a, a niche on this team, a role on this team that he could kind of carve his way into, and you might see him get some minutes. But I do not think of him as a, as a pure point guard, uh, just like you said. I like the fact that maybe, you know, it's early second half of the second game of this tournament in Sioux, and, you know, they're down by six, or, it's, you know, it's a one-point game, and Huggins says, hey, go in there and steal the ball and make two free throws, whatever. And all of a sudden, he gives you four minutes where you go from minus two to plus six or something like that. And it's not him, but he wakes everybody up. I think that he's like that that firecracker that can help him out here a little bit. Um, also, he shot 38% from three last year, or his two years in college. It's not bad. I wonder how many, like he made 66 threes last year. It's not mm-hmm. bad. I think he can, but I, I wonder how much he'll be asked to shoot three-pointers. And, and it, can he make them at this level, defenses as they are? We'll see. Um, just a quick little finisher here, because uh, I did, did not know the answer to this. Uh, so I'll just toss it to you, put you on the spot, on mm-hmm. the air. Um, also from Preston County here, what are people in the basketball program saying about the crossover classic and the possibility it gets canceled? Is there a scenario where West Virginia would opt out? No. <laughs> okay. I, I was Unless, just, I, I'd heard absolutely nothing, but I wanted to leave that to you just in case there was something I was missing. Um, I think the only way that West Virginia doesn't play in it is if things get really bad this week and players are impacted. So, and they've, the football and the basketball team in the past, two, three months, probably since the start of the football season, as far as we know, have been pretty good. There were some issues, obviously, with basketball, which there may be to their benefit. We'll see. But that's because that's out of the way now. But they've been pretty good here. And this is the last week, I believe, students are on campus. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, Thanksgiving's next Thursday, right? Right. And they don't come back after that, too. So yeah. for the semester, rest of the semester. So if they can get through this week, they're probably good. Because they break for fall break and then they don't come back, but obviously the, the games are next week. But if they get to this week, it's fine. I think the only reason that West Virginia wouldn't play would be something bad happens and wipes out a bunch of their team, and that sounds like it has to be like half of your roster. So it would be that significant, or the event has the plug pulled on it, and the people in South Dakota say, "Man, we got terrible numbers. We got to get out of this thing." And I think that's going to be the last resort on this too. Um, so I think that they'll play. I haven't heard anything about West Virginia wanting out. I haven't heard anything about. The organizers, the bad boy mowers wanting out of this. So, um, in fact, they've been replacing teams pretty easily and getting good enough teams as replacements that even if some other teams dropped out, I think they'd be able to backfill the schedule there to make it work. Yeah, and I think if if we've seen anything after six months of screwing around and screwing it all up, um, or longer, eight months of screwing around, screwing it all up, uh, football teams are in athletic departments is what I'm focusing on here, but football teams are throwing together uh, games in 24 hours, 48 hours oh. before they play out in the yeah. Pac-12. Love to see it. Love to see it. But I would imagine that even worst case scenario, like you said, something. I think the only way this is, this doesn't happen for West Virginia is if something happens in South Dakota, mostly. Um, but I imagine that Shane Lyons has had some talks with some of these teams that are in the field or others about, Hey, just in case, Mm. just in case, but you know, gotta, gotta be prepared. And that hasn't been anybody in college athletics forte so far. 
Speaking of, are you surprised that the schedule is what it is? Like, I, I this kind of like happened and it never really registered with anybody, but they're just going to go with the traditional like Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday model. Yeah, I, no, no bubbles, no concentration, bubbles, yeah. and yeah, and and four teams and three games in four days and all that stuff, and which coaches wanted. Yeah, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. And and it, it made, I think it makes sense all the time doing that kind of three games in four days stuff. I know it doesn't make sense for TV, but it makes sense for travel. And these guys are used to it. They play AAU. They play three games in a day uh, coming up, so that shouldn't be a problem. But when school is already going to be remote during that time, why would you not? I, I don't understand. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that already. So, I think you're going to see some of the non-conference games in jeopardy just because, again, the Big 12 is going to have its testing, but the one-off non-conference team isn't. And I wonder how many of those teams are going to be available and how many gaps will have in the schedule. And then to your point, how many of those can West Virginia fill? If hypothetically, Jared Calhoun's Youngstown State can't come to town. In between Big 12 games, does West Virginia fill that game? Or does it just use that time to get ready for another Big 12 game and stay, stay healthy and safe? I don't know. That's going to be, again, the plan Bs are going to be what makes us a success or not for football and basketball. And it's been good enough in football. I'd hate to be a GA or an analyst or whatever who found out uh, you're playing Cal in, in 36 hours. Get ready um, when you thought you were playing someone else. But that's kind of the breaks right now. If you want to make this happen and you back yourself up so far that you, you really have to kind of, you have to bend a lot of um, norms to make it work. And I hope that the potential exists in basketball. I'm not sure it does. And I'm surprised that they're in this position, that, that they created this position for themselves. Uh, before we wrap things up, one more little question. I, I'm assuming that the other teams, these one-off games that you were talking about, like say university of Richmond coming to Morgantown, they, I'm assuming they have to do big 12 level testing before the game. Right, like I'm, football, I'm you know, sure. like when Eastern Kentucky, they had to do, they had to do the Big Twelve level of testing before they could come to Morgantown. Is is it the same for basketball? You think? I'm not sure. I haven't heard that yet. And like, I'm, not, I want, I hope they have a plan. I would think they do. But again, you're you're talking Sunday, Wednesday, Friday testing for one game. You're yeah. playing games on Wednesday and Saturday. So are you testing on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday to play Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday to play Saturday? Like, what what are we doing? What's the expense? Because I, I maybe it's not as many players, but I wonder how many of these programs can can afford that, and how many of, you know, Richmond, for example, decent school, you know, not not poor by any means, but do they insist that West Virginia handle the testing? Does West Virginia insist that they handle the testing because they want to play the game? Is that part of the contract? I don't know. That's something that that's it should be taken care of. I just don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the roster, the roster limits. I thought that was an interesting conversation with, uh, with Bob Huggins where, you know, it was yeah. seven for seven for women's basketball, presumably the same for men's basketball, but does that seven count walk-ons and Bob Huggins slide? You will not see a walk-on play for me. Um, I think he was joking, but why does he keep going back to the point about the referees? <laughs> I have no idea. You have to have, you can't finish the game with one ref. Are they going to get a COVID test in the middle of the game? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I and I was going to say they, they don't even, even before this, they didn't just show up with three refs. They showed up with what, four or five. I mean, they always have one sitting on the side yeah. for sure. So I don't, I don't see how that's going to be a problem. Unbelievable. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for, for this mailbag. Mike, what do you got coming up the next couple of days? A little Letty Brown feature, what it took for him to get on the field Saturday and run 24 times for 154 yards. And then basketball, uh, 
Jordan McKay went to school on his shot, um, tells some secrets about how he did it and things that maybe he wouldn't have wanted to out in the public before, but now that it's out there now, I don't think he minds so much. Sounds like he's shooting the ball really well, too, so that'd be a big difference for him. He can shoot. He just didn't make him last year. Uh, and I'll have um, here's an NFL update, have some basketball stuff as well. We'll get Neil Brown on Tuesday. Uh, got a few recruiting updates, a couple new offers going out, uh, 2022 guys talking to the coaching staffs a lot. So we'll have uh, a, a few more recruiting updates than normal this week. Uh, helps with the bye week, helps with the coaches going out and getting after some guys. So look for all of that. Big promos uh, coming up on the site too, coming up too. Yeah. As I say, we're, we're recording this Monday morning. You'll Hopefully you'll listen to it Monday, but uh, keep an eye out starting Tuesday, I believe. Uh, could be a big promo coming up and then... You know, there's always one on Cyber Monday or Black Friday or Cyber Monday, both. Who knows? Could be all of them. So keep an eye out. Be sure to join in and, and enjoy the content. Get all of the content. Get reduced ads. Get our message board. All that good stuff. Signing days coming up. Basketball season's here. Football's wrapping up. So could be a good time to be a VIP member. That's for sure. All right. Well, we will see you somewhere sometime to keep your eyes open. And we'll try to give you something to look at. Until then. I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you later.